What's next? This is a question we're all having to ask and answer more frequently. I'm Jenny Blake, your host of the Pivot Podcast and author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. For show notes from this episode, visit pivotmethod.com slash podcast. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pivot Podcast. And with great anticipation, back to the Penny and Jenny show. I am delighted to be here with my dear friend, Penny Pierce. We have now done 11 episodes together. And I just read her essay yesterday on the podcast, episode 167, How Coronavirus is Speeding Us Toward Transparency. Penny is an expert on all things intuition, frequency, transparency, change, the unseen realm, dreams, 24-hour consciousness. She's truly an incredible person, and the way she thinks about life and evolution is so unique that as soon as the coronavirus pandemic really started to spread virally around the world, I knew we had to get Penny back on the podcast as I mentioned yesterday, she's the favorite guest for so many of you. Whenever somebody tells me they listen to the Pivot Podcast, they say, I love Penny Pierce. Your episodes with her are my favorite. So I'm really glad that she can be here with us during this time. And as I mentioned yesterday, Penny will be our super special guest for the next Pivot Insider call on Wednesday, April 8th. So if you want the chance to interact with both of us live and on Zoom, Join us at pivotmethod.com slash insider. And if you want to catch up on all the previous conversations with Penny, which are all so relevant now more than ever, those are at pivotmethod.com slash PJ show. Penny, welcome back. Hey, it's so much fun when we get together. I love it. I know. I always have so much fun catching up in between and, and planning what we could do. And then this time, I think we'd be very proud of ourselves tech-wise. <laughs> for riffing on your essay in a Google Doc and writing <laughs> comments back and forth. The format of this, listeners, just so you know, we're going to go through the essay that I read in of Penny's in episode 167, and we're going to talk about what it all means. And we'll, I'll have a chance to ask her some follow-up questions. And then you can always ask us a follow-up question too. Submit us a voice note at pivotmethod.com slash ask. So Penny, to kick us off, why don't you read the first two paragraphs and then we'll we'll start there. Okay. Uh, this is, I, I know what I was trying to do in these first two paragraphs was just kind of shorthand it for people so we understand what, what's going on. Because I'm always looking at what's happening under the surface of the physical reality that might be causing the physical reality. So here we go. I started off saying that we're living through what I've been calling the bridge time. The transition period between two very different realities. The old reality is one we know well. It's marked by linear thinking, past, present, future, beginning, middle, end, cause, action, effect, which results from focusing attention on things like separation, ego, polarization, willpower, and fear as our default setting. The old reality has become too slow because life and the earth itself are actually accelerating. We're vibrating at ever-increasing frequencies, and our old way of knowing and doing things can't keep up. 
we now need a faster, more elegant way to live and be, one that can match the higher vibration and evolve with it. The new reality is based on spiritual principles and universal truths, and it is birthing itself right now and burning off everything that's in the way. This is the time of the opening of Pandora's box, when all the little demons and pests are released, and those are long-stored, suppressed, subconscious traumas and terrors and griefs and rages. It is the time of clearing, when we learn to dissolve fear and suffering and become transparent. Now, transparency is a state of being that allows I, the soul, to flow unimpeded through the various bodies or frequencies of consciousness. And those would be like the causal level, the mental, the emotional, the etheric energy level, the physical itself, to guide and educate me, the personality, about living in this new frictionless way and creating the life experience that I'm built for. You, you say it's the time of the opening of Pandora's box. As soon as I read that, I just resonated so much. And it's also the time of clearing. I can't help but think back to New Year's Eve, whenever I was so hopeful for the new decade, the new year, and having all these powerful visions for how we're going to start off this new decade. There was so much in the press, even 2020 vision, everyone was using this term. And it's become quite a different kind of year already in March. And we know that the spread of coronavirus started in right around the holidays in Wuhan, China. Now here we are not yet three months into the new year, and we're all being asked to stop stay home. Everything is closed except for the necessities. So it's just wild. I, I guess I'm wondering if you could comment on that. Of <laughs> yeah, this time of clearing at, at what had previously felt like such an optimistic time. Well, I still think it is. I think this is a big part of uh, really getting deep down into the core fears that we have that we never want to touch that we didn't want to think about at all. You know, and so what I am still very excited about the year. I mean, I started day one of the year with my phone ringing off the hook and all kinds of things coming in, almost with no, not me trying to, to cause them. They just came, opportunities and so forth. And then, of course, a lot of the travel ones have canceled at this point or postponed. But still, there's something very exciting in the not the air so much, you know, but the undercurrent of things in the energetic, etheric body of our society. Um, and, and, you know, fear is very titillating. It's, it gets your adrenaline going and all that, and that can really work us up. But what I'm talking about is a more refined, higher frequency kind of uh, enthusiasm, excitement. So it's still there because we're evolving this year tremendously. Yeah, I do you know, feel and that. And I guess maybe the other thing is, yeah, it's that w I think we're receiving a huge influx of energy right now. And it's like, if you want to adapt and go with it, and you know, part of that is, you know, I saw myself early in the year that, you know, I always use the image of the ball reality, that I live in this certain kind of size of a scope that I have, but I saw the year was going to expand the scope. It was going to jump up a level. And that meant more access to knowledge, more access to everything through time and space and more, more of me, more of the soul. And 
I had no idea how that was going to happen. But I feel like this clearing time is going to ironically work opposite of the way everybody thinks it is working. I don't know if you have felt that too. Well, that's so true. um, I mean, even how the year is starting is the opposite. And you and I have talked in the past and previous episodes about liminal space and what we jokingly or affectionately call the goose state. It's as if right now the entire planet is in a goose state. When you said uh, there's a powerful energy that's entering or that we're all receiving, we all need to sort of sit and be still to receive it in that way. You know, maybe it's so powerful that we can't continue as normal. And I can't see how everyone on the planet will not be shifted in some way because of this, which is unlike anything that any of us have really experienced in our lifetimes. Yes. I mean, part of the the benefit of this all is this enforced time within or time to be quiet, to pull away from all the left brain activity and busy, 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 busy stuff so that we can get quiet, so that we can perhaps spend the time with family and start to value a whole different set of values, you know, that see what's really important. And Perhaps the only way people could start integrating this influx of high-frequency energy is to be quiet. You know, if you're too much in your left brain and pushing with willpower, you can't you, you can't access it. You can't allow it to integrate or move through you or move you, mm-hmm. you know. You've also said this is a year of choice. Do we go forward or do we resist? Are we yes. in flow or not? Yes. I could speak for myself and say it's been a little bit of a roller coaster because some days I'm frustrated, other days I accept it, other days I'm even grateful that I'm not traveling anywhere and I'm at home for the time being. There's a weird relief in that of, wow, life is so simple now by mandate. There is no restaurant to go to or shows or anything in New York. How how can people go with the flow here, so to speak, and not resist? And how will they know if they're in in flow or not? Well, I think we can talk about this throughout the whole of this podcast about the choice point. And the choice is, do you want to choose fear, panic, and negative states of mind? Like what you're talk to yourself about what isn't and what might never happen and what you're not going to be able to do and how this isn't going to work and all that thing, which if you experience that, it makes your body contract. It's like you you close up and, you know, just become solid. And then you have no access at all to higher information or new ideas or or anything. Any of the nice quality states of being that come with open-mindedness, you know. So you can choose to contract like that and get all heavy and be a victim about it all and complain. Or you can choose to allow the energy to come in and work with you, to lift you, to move you, to help surface some of the old stuff that you don't need anymore. And, you know, it's not so much trust. I think when we think about not having enough trust, it's often because we're not merged with the experience that's happening to us. We're not understanding the deeper flow of this you know, on the surface, it looks like enforced quarantining and having to be separate from everybody and be on your own and face the void. But really, it's about accessing 
the imaginal realm where all possibilities exist. Getting back to that childlike sense of play, you know, where we can access intuition and access inspiration. So I think we're choosing right now. And it's an important time of choice. And it's true that by not having so much external stimulus, although now it's all going digital, (laughs) now there's a lot of overwhelm, at least I see so many things going online, and I'm already getting a little tired. But uh, it is a time I love what you said about tapping into our imagination, and our imagination can be directed toward imagining the worst case, and what we don't have and what we don't want, just like you said, or we tap into imagination of what's possible from here. And it does strike me that you say later in the essay, isn't mindfulness and quiet what we've all been asking for? (laughs) Isn't that what the whole meditation movement (laughs) is about? But we don't have time for it. Right. Right. There's a lot of other things we should get to perhaps to talk about here in the the next couple paragraphs. So why don't you read some, Jenny, for a while, and then I'll come back in again. Perfect. So we are experiencing an ongoing release of negativity personally and in the collective societal mind. It's why ugliness, meanness, domination, and hate have been flooding our lives and the media. These are all cover-ups for deep-set fear and panic. All of this is part of the bridge time, part of the surfacing of our deepest fears. To have an enlightened new reality, everything that is not of the light must be seen, understood, and dissolved. This time period and this process must happen. It is part of a positive evolution of humanity and the planet, and it won't last forever. We must learn to navigate the challenges and clear ourselves totally, once and for all. I think this is part of the choice, right? That like, I'm going to decide now, I'm going to choose to get rid of, you know, fear is okay, you know, because it can save us from walking down the dark alley and getting attacked. But we have needless fears, right, <laughs> that are based on old experiences that happened to us in our past, even in our past lives, I suppose. Uh, that are, And those things are partially perceived experiences where we just shut down suddenly and never open back up to see what was really going on. So this time period is about clearing all of that needless fear and allowing more and more of the soul to flow through, you know, and it, it's like when you, when you get in a relationship and you say, I really want it love. I want to be in love. I want to share love. And then it sounds so great because you're romantic and all this great stuff happens. And then suddenly all the garbage comes up. <laughs> so that, true. Right around month three, like four, five. Yeah. <laughs> They're upsetting me, you know, but that's because you asked for the love. So everything that isn't love has to be brought to the surface so you can clear it so that you can have what you ask for. Absolutely. And in that example, isn't the irony that all those things that come up that you think you can't accept are actually where the love is generated? Because you say, well, I thought I couldn't accept this. And I, ha- I thought this person wasn't matching up on my checklist of who they should be. And then as soon as we drop that and accept them and accept the situation and accept exactly how they are, that's where the love emerges. It's not bending the outer person or circumstances to our will. It's quite the opposite. It's what you said, that the choice to be in flow and the allowing this process to happen, even if on the surface, it seems like, oh, we wish that it weren't happening. Yes. Yeah. And I think another piece of that is that 
when you stop resisting the thing you think is bad <laughs> um, often and you just let it be, suddenly you start to see the positive side of it. You know, how interesting your partner would be and what they're, the way they think is so useful for certain things, you know, and that you hadn't seen that before. And the same thing is happening here. We're seeing the positive effects of what this, what would we call this, this this um, symbolic event that has surfaced out of an, an inner energy blueprint on the planet. It's surfacing and being created out of a field of consciousness and energy that has a lot of contraction in it. You know, so we're, we're trying to release it. But of course, then, you know, the next paragraph, we're talking about um, what resists this and, and why it gets blocked. Yes, let me read that part. You say, yet there is a powerful force that resists and demeans this clearing. Ego. Ego, the experience of the disconnected, isolated self, wants to maintain its power structure and keep things the way they were. It doesn't want to experience chaos or the void. We've watched the rise of narcissism and destructive self-centeredness in leaders around the world because the ego's methods are now being widely exposed. We see people victimized by these arrogant, insensitive, ego-driven bosses, people forced from their homes and lands, children ripped from parents or sold to sex traffickers, an opioid epidemic that turns people into zombies, to name just a few repercussions. With the increase in frequency on the planet, the ego is being eclipsed. It can no longer hold back the wave of transformation. It can no longer be the boss, the director of reality. Soul-centered consciousness is taking over, causing us to dredge up what's at the very bottom of Pandora's box. So what else might be down there? What could succeed at dislodging the ego's carefully plotted power maintenance strategy? What could cut through those long-standing negative identity habits to help us see a new way? How might we accelerate our global process of clearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say welcome to the little but mighty coronavirus. <laughs> it, it seems to me to be the perfect symbolic materialization of our suppressed subconscious traumas, terrors, griefs, and rages, and of the ego itself. Ego-driven leaders need isolation at the top of the hierarchy to succeed. They're experts in domination. They easily charm others into agreement and are clever and chameleon-like, changing on a dime to avoid detection, criticism, and destruction. Coronavirus does something similar dominating, spreading, and avoiding detection by seeming like any other flu, replicating itself, mutating, and hiding. Say welcome to the little but mighty coronavirus. <laughs> Isn't it wild how this microscopic bacteria and my dad was saying, you know, we don't classify bacteria as a being. And yet it has its mind of its own. It's so Darwinian and it's drive to succeed and replicate and multiply itself. And your comparison to the way that a virus functions and the way that ego-driven society functions and politics was so interesting. Yeah, it's and it's what I just said a little bit earlier here was that the physical materialization of this kind of thing comes from an, an energy body that's in the, the consciousness and energetic field of our, of our planet which is a collective thing made up of all of our collective beliefs and ideas and fears and, you know, how we, we're going to survive and, you know, be special and great. So ego is a huge thing right now. Uh, and it, 
you know, the more I look at it, the more I see that it's very much in the way. But of course, it also um, is kind of a catalyst for bringing up fear. So in, in some ways, it's helpful. But we don't need ego as our sense of self anymore. That's it's it's going to be something like I said, it's going to be eclipsed. It's, um, you know, it's an old perception idea. There are two things come to mind when you say that one, I have a little skepticism, like, oh, isn't it all just going to go back to normal after this, you know, and maybe that's me already projecting into the future. How can we know? But the other hand, there is a very real acceleration of whatever people were afraid of. And even myself, I was having some business anxieties around my own growth and my own skill building around sales, negotiation, contracts, things that were previously in my stretch zone, let's call it. Mm. And the coronavirus completely accelerated those because it meant everything was even more uncertain. Everything was up in the air. All my speaking was canceled. It just kind of pulled a rug out from under of fears that I was already having. And in a way, it really made me look at every fear because every fear sort of got 10x by reality (laughs) when the outer world has sort of seized all economic activity for the most part, unless it's one of the industries that are directly involved in preventing the spread. Right. Well, it was, it's very successful at changing uh, momentum, you know, that people who are going fast or uh, getting ahead of themselves, I'm not saying that's you, but, but that's a lot of us. Um, it's so easy to project, you know, and this is not going to let us do that. So it's it's forcing us really to come back to center and slow down and notice little things. Yeah. So why don't you read this next part? I love this next paragraph. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And And for noticing, it's true as well, because now a simple walk outside is a real blessing. It's a real highlight of the day. <laughs> yeah. Next part. Coronavirus is an equal opportunity infector. The idea of being special and above the law is being brought low by a tiny, hijacking, parasitic virus that is no respecter of peoples. It doesn't avoid those with gigantic, successful egos. It is not racist, class-oriented, bipartisan, or political. And it doesn't care if you're rich, famous, or a manual laborer and poor. Coronavirus is a great opportunist. It takes advantage of every possible chance to expand itself. It is greedy for power, for space, for attention. In so many ways, it is the epitome of ego. It is the ego's replicant. (laughs) I love that word. It's like a sci-fi thing. It is like cue the Twilight Zone music. Yes. Wow. (laughs) The ego's replicant is just wild to consider. I didn't really have this thought about coronavirus until this conversation, but Not only is it the ego's replicant, and we could see it as this nefarious evil thing, but it is also a bringer of change in a way. You know, it's this little thing like we don't know yet what it's doing for humanity. We actually, of course, we don't want anybody to die. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. And that's terrible. But there's such a sea change that this little tiny invisible thing is bringing. Yes. And so I wonder if it's the ego's replicant, but it's also, as you said, it's this energy body and this clearing that might be as well replicating other things at the same time. Well, I think that we have not had a clear sense of what the ego is. You know, we have not understood its mechanisms, how it fights to stay in control and be the boss of everything. 
And we're starting to see that with our narcissistic leaders and how they operate. But a lot of light is being shed on what the ego is and how it works and what it does and how it affects people across the board, especially people who it deems as less important than itself. <laughs> you know, uh, And I think that shedding light on those things helps bring it into consciousness and then helps us be able to make the choice that we need to make about do we want to live that way? Or wh what about when the soul is in charge? Wow, there's a different reality and that's the new reality that's coming in and it works so much more elegantly. Yeah, and you said earlier, soul-centered consciousness is taking over. I guess my question is, how do we know? How do we know soul-centered consciousness is taking over from here and that this isn't, again, that it wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just wonder how we can know because things have gotten so extreme. You know, you say in the next piece, I think of the behavior of greedy, power-hungry people over the centuries acting the same way coronavirus acts, invading other people's territories, conquering by first weakening and debilitating, then imprisoning, and finally killing people. And just as coronavirus infects people before they even know it, power-hungry dictators have used spies and secretive meetings of infiltration in the early stages of overthrowing foreign lands. We have surveillance capitalism now. We have mm -hmm. hyper-capitalism, income inequality. We have so much that's going on. I guess my question is, I would love to know that soul-centered consciousness is taking over. You know, I would love, and I could feel that on an individual level. I just wonder how we get there as a society while we're still seeming to be sort of on pause. Well, remember, we're in the bridge time between two realities where the two kinds of consciousness exist side by side. And that's why the choice is so important that we have to add energy into the one we really want. But, you know, you can't know in your left brain that this is for sure. What you have to do is drop more into the right brain and the body and into that, that centered place where you stop time and you can feel truly. And then you start to really understand that this is an important time. You know, left brain people are always going to poo-poo this because it seems so far out. But anyone who meditates and goes into deep inner spaces speaks the same story. We are all getting the same kind of information. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a collective thing, you know, and it's not left-brained. You know, it is an experiential reality. How do we get there? We each do it. We each do it and stay in that higher frequency reality and in our you know soul self and we share with other people who are doing it and we create from that state and we start building a kind of momentum i suppose or a, a kind of a critical mass where at a certain point i think not everybody on the planet is going to have to change it will just shift very quickly look how fast the internet worked from 1992 until, oh my right. goodness, you know. Um, so I have no doubt, but yeah. that's me. <laughs> I, oh, I love it. I love it. And I, I just love that perspective of it's for each of us to choose and shift and feel into, into that place where time stops, as you said so beautifully. You do so much dream work. Have your dreams been heightened or stronger during this time? 
Um, a few of them, not all of them. I get these punctuation mark dreams, <laughs> you know. Um, a lot of it's just processing of old stuff that's clearing. You know, I'm doing it too. Why don't you read us the message from the soul? Of well, there's of one us. more paragraph. Here. Oh, okay. So yeah. the one right before says, I think too of how we have recently been invaded by cyber terrorism from the Russian web brigade of bots and troll armies. Just as a virus works to replicate itself, so any thoughts that foster fear, rage, and hate can replicate among people in any walk of life, thanks to the contagion-fostering Petri dish of social media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always call this the law of correlation. Whatever's happening in your inner world is happening in the outer world and vice versa, because there's actually no difference. The inner world is the realm of thought and feeling, and the outer world is the realm of form but they're coming from the same inner blueprint. So so when you can look and see, well, how is that outer reality just like something happening inside of me or inside of us or inside of everybody in the world? You know, I'm always doing that. Not to mention yeah. the fact that going viral on social media and <laughs> right. news shifting over to platforms like Facebook and BuzzFeed and the whole purpose of clickbait headlines and things going viral or fake news, inaccurate campaign ads and, and election meddling, all of that, I can really see a parallel to what's happening here. And just the notion of misinformation, and then even you see it directly applied, but the language, our language is even the same. And, and that so much of that viral content attaches to our emotions. So now so many studies show that posts that make you angry are more likely to be shared or funny, or cute, but they make you feel something and, and they it hooks into our emotions and our mm -hmm. vulnerabilities there. And then we become users, you know, tech or media users, the infinite scroll, there's so much that it does that sort of traps us in the petri dish. Yes. And now here we are, we are just truly a global petri dish of <laughs> this pandemic, and getting a chance to examine those habits and those choices. And I think this is a real reckoning to say what's important to me, who's important to me, what kind of connection is important to me. And what do I need to filter out during this time? Exactly. I was just looking at that word pandemic the other day, and I thought, well, if you took the letters D-E-M out of the middle of it, you get panic. Right. And isn't it interesting <laughs> that, you know, that word contains within it the negative response? There's a message that comes out of watching all this and starting to understand this. And I, I say, so here is a message from the soul of all of us coming via this global pandemic, and that is how much of your identity is invested in ego? How much have you attached your own importance and survival to having money, power, or influence over others, or getting attention from people who agree with you? When you are denied any of these, do you panic and contract like a stone and sink, or do you expand into the imaginal realm discover new paths, and choose to maintain your preferred home frequency state. And I mean by that, the kind of the soul in the body experience, that preferred state that you really love to be when you really like yourself and you like everybody else. And I'm just going to say right now, if you haven't read the book Frequency 
by our beloved Penny Pierce listeners. <laughs> you must read it. It changed my life. It gave me so many insights and ahas. And some of our earliest episodes of the Penny and Jenny show, we do talk about frequency and how to find your home frequency. So be sure to go check those out. I would also add to this list, Penny, I would add control because mm. I think control can be a subtle way that our ego shows up. Even if we think that we're trying to control circumstances or people or business for the greatest good, I noticed for myself, the nature or desire to control things just got incinerated. Like, well, too bad you can't control <laughs> anything. And in fact, every single day is going to be different than the one before it. Whatever you think you're scheduling for even a week out could change. I was even thinking, I've been having so much fun podcasting every day. It's really challenging for me. It's just calling me to do something I didn't even think I could do. And yet, if I get coronavirus, which we're now in New York City at the global epicenter of it, well, I'll have a cough, I'll lose my voice, like even that can go, you know, it's just crazy. There's this total release and surrender of even attaching to have answers or attaching to have plans, which I find so interesting, even beyond the money, power, influence, sort of greed grabbing that we talked about. There's even the subtle layer that this requires us to shed and let go of. Those are such good insights. Yeah, it, it's so much truth there. Um, we can talk about this later, but there's just this feeling I have that this is, you know, I've written out a lot of things in the stock market in the past and, and crazy things, but this is so different. That concludes part one of this conversation with Penny. I can't wait for you to tune in to part two. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And in part two, we're going to talk about the stock market and social gatherings, how those relate to this little mighty coronavirus. Again, if you have a follow-up question or comment to any of this content, please leave us a voice note. We would love to hear from you. Go to pivotmethod.com slash ask. And if you'd like the show notes from this episode, you'll find those at pivotmethod.com slash 168. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pivot Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips and templates by signing up for Pivot List, a curated twice monthly newsletter where I share the inside scoop on what I'm reading, watching, listening to, and the latest tools I'm geeking out on. Sign up at pivotmethod.com slash pivotlist. Get show notes from this episode at pivotmethod.com slash podcast. And connect with me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Remember, build first, then your courage will follow. Hasn't it always? <laughs>